0: Case and <laughs> Travis Perry, what's up, guys? <laughs> Is that the purple room?
1: We right across the shot too. You saw that? Is that in the purple room over there? Where are you guys at? No, no, no. We 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 in an undisclosed location. Oh, okay, we I got. It. Get-
0: <laughs> Working on music though? Yeah, always. You know that? Oh, man, that's amazing. Hey, Case. Thank you for making the time for the, for another interview, man. We appreciate you. you know, right, thank
1: you, man. Thank
0: you. Appreciate all the love you always show us, man. It means a lot to us. Thank you, man. I appreciate y'all, too. So I want to first start talking about, you know, the most recent music you put out. So you had the Therapy album. You know, before yeah. that, you had Heaven's Door. You know, mm-hmm. when, when I was thinking about your career, it, 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 you know, came to me. Some of your best work has been as an independent artist. And to me, it's like a lot of artists go independent. And kind of go in different directions, kind of fall off a bit. Man, you 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 stayed on point. Your quality has stayed on point. Well,
1: that's because once I go independent, I can do what I want to do. Right. You know, I have to answer to this person, that person. I can just do what I want to do.
0: Right. You know what? What do you remember about making that therapy album? Um, Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I just remember actually not knowing what to make. Um, and so I, I was at a I was at a place. In my career, where I was like, okay, what am I supposed to make right now? Hello. Yeah. Did, did that just go sideways? It did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, you went. No, it's sideways. It's like watching an episode of Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Zow- Ow. Zow- Ow. Zow- <laughs> um, with with therapy, I just remember not knowing what it is that I was supposed to do, and um, it was me, Travis, and and Blanco Brown. And we sat there and we and we started making songs. You know what I mean. And we just we just figured it out. Well, was
0: funny. Yeah. So so one thing we've been doing these interviews is talk a lot of history, getting some of the backstory from artists, hearing about you know their journey. We love to to share these stories, to hear these stories. You know, talk about take us back to the beginning. You did writing in the beginning for other artists before you got on officially. Is that correct? Yeah. How did that all come about?
1: First, the first check that I ever got in the music business was thirty years ago. I wrote um I wrote on the first song on the first album for Usher called uh Make It Right. Wow. I, I co-wrote that. Um and then I co-wrote uh Christopher Williams, Where Are You Now? Which was in like 92, something like that. So that, that was like my, my start. I um I did the melody for um I'll be sure for uh you and
0: I. Mm. So that was the beginning of it, everything And how did that lead to you get getting signed eventually?
1: Well, um, I, I think it kind of just put me in the right places. Um, what I did was I, I had a song that my um, manager at the time, Misa, she got Faith Evans to write for me called Don't Be Afraid. And Russell uh-huh. Simmons did it, and um, he signed me off of that song. And I'm the last artist that Russell Simmons signed personally to Def Jam. LL is the first. <laughs> so.
0: Wow. That's a good yeah. story. You said yeah, Faith they, Evans wrote the song, right?
1: They need to have it of Jeopardy one day.
0: You said Faith Evans wrote the song, right? Yeah. Yep. So let me ask you this. We don't hear about a lot of female writers writing for male singers. Mm-hmm. Like, did, did that? how did that, you know, situation, like, did it mean bother you at all? Or
1: um, The only thing that bothered me is that her tone is way higher than mine. So I had to figure <laughs> out how to sing it. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know what? and honestly, I always have a problem when women write a song for me because I, I try to find where to put it so that it still sounds good, but it's still yeah.
0: the integrity of, of the melody. I was thinking more so of, like, women trying to write from a man's perspective, you know what I mean? Is that? Well, they can do have- that.
1: We've been through, we we've put them through so much stuff that they can definitely <laughs> do that, the, yeah. same way that had, the, the same way how Babyface and Neo and everybody else can write from yep. a female perspective, yeah, they can definitely do that part. That part, I'm not mm-hmm. worried about.
0: I would like to see more of it, actually. I mean, females, I feel like, don't get enough chances to do that. I don't know, you know, if it's an ego thing in the industry or whatnot. But, you know, I would like well, to see I more. I
1: think. I think it happens more, more often than you think.
0: Yeah? You just don't know about it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you got to you know, read the credits.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So talk about, you know, your debut album now, the self-titled album. You know, what do you remember about creating that album?
1: Uh, what I remember is that I always hated that album.
0: Yeah, well, I remember my, hearing you say that.
1: Yeah, I, I always hated that album. Well, it, it was more so that I had the songs written for, for years beforehand. But it's like I, there were so many hands in the pot that I wasn't exactly clear on how to execute it. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't express myself the way that I wanted to. Because, right. because when people don't realize I was signed to Sport Ryan, which shout out to them. But So when, when you're signed to someone else, it's like, the music comes from me. It has to go through Spore and then it has to go through Theft Jam. Right. And, and that's that's kind of hard to kind of get your vision across. And at that time, I wasn't sure what my vision was. So,
0: right. it, it, Got you. And then, you know, after that album, you had the single with Joe. We have a lot of Joe fans here right now, and they want to hear about Faded Pictures. That's my guy right there. What do you remember about Faded Pictures and making that song with Joe?
1: Well, the biggest thing I remember is that we shot Dice in the hallway while we was making it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Joe took like ten thousand dollars. He won like ten thousand dollars off me. Wow! Yeah, yeah. That's the biggest thing I remember.
0: But as far as as far as creating the song, though, <laughs> I mean that's the biggest thing. But as
1: far as creating the song, I I just remember that I loved the melody. I loved the the keys that Josh Thompson played. I loved the the bass line. Like I loved the whole
0: groove of the whole song. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it, it fit me perfectly. Right. So love that song. Definitely you know one of our favorites from you. So coming back with the personal conversation album, you know, was that one was that one more to your liking when you did that one as far as an album you felt was more of you? Well, yeah,
1: at at that at that stage of my career, I was gone from school writing. So it was just me and Def Jam. And gotcha. so what Def Jam allowed me to do was just go and make what I wanted to make. And so yeah. that's why personal conversation was a
0: lot different from from the first album. Right. And of course, you know, you have some huge singles on that album. We talked about some of your, your non fa you know, non singles that should have been hits. You know, um, you know, how do you feel about having had, you know, a wedding song on that album that's still played in a heavy rotation? You got Beyonce in the video. I mean yeah. yeah. How do you feel about that having put that song together and having that as a timeless hit under your belt? Well,
1: for for me, when we made the song I was like, um, this is a song. Because my, my whole my whole approach to music at that time was to make music that would stand the test of time.
0: Mm-hmm. So I didn't
1: care about what was hot. I didn't care about, you know, the new trend. I always wanted to make music that would stand up because my parents used to listen to Motown. And it was like 20, 30 years later. Yeah. And so it was my thing. I wanted to make music that will last like
0: that. Right. So And you definitely did. Thanks. You know, taking it to the Open Letter album, personally, I felt like that's your strongest album in your whole career. I don't know, I think you might have mentioned that was your favorite as well.
1: That's my favorite album, definitely.
0: What makes it your favorite?
1: Um, it was just that the producers that I worked with, we had even even aside from the music, we bonded as people before we mm-hmm. started making music. So it was me and and Redhead Kingpin, me and Tim and Bob, and me and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Um right. We we had a certain bond and there was a certain chemistry that you could if you came in the room you could feel it. And people used to come in the room and talk about it like. That you, you could feel what it was. You know right. what I mean? And you didn't have to hear any songs. You could just feel the vibe of us in the studio making music. And, and you knew right. that was
0: going to be special. I, I could have sworn I remember hearing when the album came out. It was a conceptual album. Each song on the album was dedicated to a different yeah. female. You had experience? Yeah, that's a true story?
1: No, no. It was, it was a different person in my life.
0: Yeah. All, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, as far as missing you, you know, the hit single on the album. You know, tell us the story behind that, because I know Joe did the song first. How did you end up with it?
1: Uh, well, Tim and Bob did the record. Um, at the time that I did it, I didn't know that Joe had done it already. Oh, okay. um, they did a demo for me, and the demo was of Joe singing it. Um, and so just recording the record, it was like, okay, I'm going to go in. And I, I had laryngitis. I had, like, a touch of the flu. And so uh, they told us, I got there, I got to L.A. on a Sunday night, I think. Um, I lost my voice on a Monday mm-hmm. and so like um, we, you know the whole week went the, the whole week kept going we got to Friday Saturday it's like if you don't do the song today we're not going to be able to do it because we were right. supposed um, to so I went in I sang the song uh, two times the first time because I told him I, I can't talk yeah um, I sang it one time made them start it over again I sang it again and and they kept the they i guess they merged the two takes together but yeah and what's crazy is the night before that i did uh living it up and both of
0: them songs got nominated for Grammys. so (laughs) that's amazing man we were talking about that album because about the singles and Mm -hmm. this is no disrespect but you know i always felt like that album should have been so much bigger than it was man like and not that i think not your friend is a bad song or anything like that but i feel like you know we said like conversate should have you know, it was a great song that could have been a single.
1: It was to be the third single.
0: Yeah. When, how come and, that- you
1: know, that's jazz from Drew Hill singing the backgrounds of Conversate.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs>
1: yeah. And that was that was actually supposed to be the third single, but, you know, it was a lot of politics that went on. And that was actually the acceleration of me leaving Def Jam. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that to, the how you come out as third. <clears throat> Even though at that time, I didn't realize that Conversate wasn't the word.
0: Mm-hmm. Say that, that? That, that that's what did it. Yeah. Damn. So you left on your own terms, or you had fulfilled the contract? No, I left. I left. Uh, you just. <laughs> I signed. I
1: signed a new contract in two thousand and two, I think, and then yeah. in two thousand and four, I left.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. When
1: I was so, working on the roof experience, I left.
0: So. someone in the in the chat mentioned. Um, no regrets for Charlie Wilson, and we picked that one as well. Like that's just such a, such yeah. an amazing song.
1: What's crazy? That. I was, that, um, I'm because I'm in my studio. We were playing some Charlie Wilson, and there's a song that Charlie Wilson told me specifically that he wants me to remake of the Gap Bands And I was just playing it for everybody. So, oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> that's he told me which song. He wanted me to. Remake. So. You gonna do it? Oh hell yeah! That's on. Awesome. I gotta do it. Even if can I, I don't want song? To do it, it'll happen. Am I allowed to ask one song? Yeah, you can ask. I ain't going to tell you, though. Ah, uh, sorry, sorry. But I make a deal with you, after I do it, I'll send it to you. All right. We can play it until it comes out.
0: Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so let me ask you this. You know, when we interviewed you one time, you shared this great story with us about the Elon Cool J song Love You Better and how you mm-hmm. were part of that initially. And then, and, and, you know, how it totally changed. Tell us that story again.
1: Um, the Love You Better song, it was a song that Pharrell did. And um, originally it was supposed to be me, Donnell Jones, and Usher. And we were each going to do a chorus. Um, so we got to the studio, and I don't I don't know how this went, but it ended up just being me and LL. And um, once it came, went, once it went through the whole label system and the politics it ended up, they just kept the demo.
0: So, right.
1: But I still have it. I still have it.
0: Donnell Jones, Usher, and Case on the song. I can't even. I, is it the same it was, song or is it?
1: I, me, me and LL did maybe four or five songs together. Um, uh-huh. And that was one of them. There's another one that I just found on Apple Music that I didn't realize came out. I think they put it out on The Greatest Hits called "Uh, Um, MI. Cricket Letter, Cricket Letter, I. Yeah. LL.
0: I remember we did it. I didn't know they put it out, though. Oh, wow. I hadn't heard that one either. Yeah, like, yeah so take us to the rose experience because that came i think like what eight years after yeah, um, yeah. your last album what, what was the reason for you know there's such a, a gap in between
1: um I had been working on the rose experience for a while but um i got to the I got to the point once the conversation that, that whole conversation happened yeah. is that i didn't I, I stopped loving the music and so the business of the music business took away my love for the music if that makes sense to you and um well two things happened Well, first uh my grandmother passed in May of 09 and then michael jackson passed in June of 09 and those were two of my biggest influences as a very very little kid mm. and so it kind of kickstarted it because i i went back to listening to songs that i liked when i was a kid and it kind of kicked it back up and and that's why the rose experience happens
0: right i actually really like that album you know it might, it might that's another one i didn't feel like it got the attention it deserved Lovely, the first single, amazing song. We talked about Deja Vu, how that could have been a big single, too. You know. Yeah, that
1: was the first single, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, because remember, what, we was still in Death Dam and we had done um, Should Have Known Better, Me and Ghostface, and then Deja mm-hmm. Vu. So the plan was Should Have Known Better, then Deja Vu, and then we were going to put the album out. But, you
0: know, right. it, it, didn't get, it didn't get to that. What do, you, um, what do you remember about making that album, though?
1: Um, that was the first album where I actually produced songs. Like I had always written, but that was the first album where I did production for the first time. And so that album was completely like I could do whatever I want. I could have did. I could did a classical song. I could have did whatever I wanted to do on that album. That was the first time I ever experienced that.
0: So it was kind of scary, but at the same time, it it was cool for me. That's dope. That's dope. Love that project. Thank you. Um, I I forgot to mention the, um, the Deaf Soul era you know, being a part of that. What do you remember about being with that whole crew of such, you know, good R&B talent at one, in one place, on one label?
1: Um, the, my fondest memory of that is all of us working on Love Sets You Free with Kelly yeah. Price. We yeah. had me, Montel Jordan, Player, Drew Hill, um, uh, uh, Lover. Yeah, we had Lover. We had, um, uh, damn, her name is escaping me right now. But, uh, but we had all of us together on one song. Um, we all was together in the studio when we did it. Teddy Riley produced it. That that was that's my fondest memory of that of that whole era. That was and amazing we a lot time. Of work we did a lot of work together. Like um, Montel, Let's Ride. That's me. I arranged the song, and that's me singing the backgrounds in that record. Oh, wow. um, I sang on the the remix for Beauty. Like we we were all getting on each other's records. We were all helping each other. So that 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 was the closest I've ever been
0: to multiple That's dope. That was an amazing time for R&B yeah yeah definitely now, tell me about the um the hear my love album i mean uh, what what was that okay let me let me tell you about the hear my love album.
1: so i had nothing to do with naming it let's let's just start there yeah um what it was was it was supposed to be like a mixtape um i got all the tracks on a sunday i wrote them all well me and Seus to connect we wrote all the songs on monday and i recorded them on tuesday um, so it was supposed to be like a mixtape, and I didn't realize what was going to happen with that. And especially right. the name. I never, I would have never. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it, it, is, it is.
0: so. I thought I had to remember to hear, and that was kind of like an unauthorized album that came out. So I guess. No, it, definitely was. it definitely was. But it
1: was. Okay.
0: Kind of, so. Gotcha. And then, um, you know, we mentioned Heaven's Door a little bit. You know, that was your first project on E1. You know, that, that yeah. album had some really good songs, too. I was just listening to, um, to blast off today. You know, I played that <laughs> one still a lot. What do you remember about creating that album?
1: On um, creating that album, I was kind of trying to get back into my groove and and trying to figure out what it is that I wanted to do. Um, what, what I wanted to sound like, the type of stuff that I wanted to make. And that, that album was like, it was kind of like a proving ground for me. So I, I, I actually have a special place for that. album.
0: Nice. That's a really good project. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, we covered all your albums and kind of your history. Something I, you know, when I listen to your whole discography.
1: You which one?
0: You forgot therapy. We talked about it at the beginning a little bit, so I, I counted that. Okay. <laughs> 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 but, you know, I was listening to your whole discography recently, and I just realized kind of you're, you're a bit underrated. You know, in terms of you put out quality music for so long, but I don't feel like you get the attention you deserve as one of the legends coming out of the 90s. And I don't know, how, how do you view your own legacy?
1: Uh, well, my kids agree with you. <laughs> my, my kids agree with you. Um, he, here's how I look at it. I, I, I kind of feel the same way, but I feel like good music stands the test of time. Yeah. Uh, and if you notice over the past, maybe five years, my songs have been sampled like no less than 15 times. Mm. I feel like good music is going to find its way in, into the into the consciousness of the public, um, and I'm still making it. You know what I mean? And um, that that that's just how I look at that. I mean, I feel underrated, but it, it's cool because I didn't, I didn't make music to sell a lot of records or to win yeah. Grammys stuff like that. I wanted music that was gonna last. And for these songs now to 20 years later, getting sampled the way they are, like I, I got a sample request today. Wow. For, for was was it Touch Me Tease Me? Yeah, for Touch Me Tease Me. Wow. <laughs> Like, it's it's, over the past five years, it's been tons. It's been sampled out of this world. That's amazing, man. Yeah, I can't be mad at that.
0: That's recognition right there. Well-deserved. Yeah, yeah. So so as we wrap up this interview, just tell us about some of the new music you've been working on, what we can expect next from Case.
1: Uh, I'm working on two albums right now. One of them is a conscious album. One of them is a, you know, a quote-unquote regular album about love and relationships. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it comes out. Um, I'm still working on it. I'm trying to put it together.
0: So what, what made you want to do a conscious album?
1: And, and I also did a song, uh, me and Salam Remy did a song wow. since this campaign started. Yeah, it's, it's been over the internet. So, you know, he's in Miami, I'm, I'm in Atlanta, um, but we, we got a dope joint. So that's going to be coming to y'all soon, too.
0: Love Salaam Remy. He's one of the best producers. Mm-hmm. No, he's gangster. He, he, he's one of the best <laughs> ever. Um, so what made you want to do that conscious album?
1: Uh, what made me want to do it is that uh, as black music, like we there's certain things that we've always had. We've always had party records. We've always had fun records. We, we've always had sex records. Yeah. But we used to have somebody that was talking about what was really going on. And I feel like the only thing missing right now is talking about what's really going on in our community. Like it, yeah. it's one side. I'm, I'm with the party and the sex records, especially the sex records. Um I'm with all that stuff but I think it needs to be balanced and that, and that's what that's why I, I
0: that's something that's been on my heart for a while. So look forward to hearing both of those. Definitely that Salam Remy join as well. It's going to be dope. <laughs> Anything you want to add before we get out of here?
1: Uh, I just want to thank everybody for uh you know support me. You know next year is 25 years that I've been doing this. Um So thank y'all. I appreciate y'all. Um hopefully I can keep making, you know, stuff that y'all enjoy, that y'all like. And um I'm about to go live in about thirty minutes on my on my IG Live and do a little concert. So Dope, dope. Uh, thank you. And gotta thank give you. A man, shout for to- the stuff that you do, man, you keep us alive. And I appreciate that.
0: I appreciate that, Case. And I just gotta say I saw a comment in here earlier that Case is one of the only celebrities that responds to his fans. And I gotta agree, I- man, you're one of the most humble dudes, and that's why we- what we love you for, man. We really respect you. I appreciate and- that. Thank you. <laughs> Gotta give a shout out to our boy Travis Cherry. You know, great producer. He does That's a lot right. of good work with you.
1: Look, he's sitting over there, but he, he's over there trying to be shy right now. <laughs> here come, here come. What's up, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> great. What's good? No <laughs> music. It's no music yeah, right. coming. It's no music coming. Oh, no, we got some stuff
0: coming. <laughs> he's got some heat for you. <laughs> dope, dope. Case, thank you so much for your time, man. Appreciate thank you. you. Man. All right, Appreciate man. Take you. care. All
1: right.